you know, caller said, will you speak with the president? And I said, sure. And I said, give me a minute to pull over because I'm not going to be driving and talking to the president. And so I, I drove over in a, in a grocery parking lot and he came on the line. And of course, he knows Becky and Becky, they exchanged. And, and he said, Joel, I want, I want to tell you about a, 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 a stance or, or, or an interview I just did. And I said, okay. Um, and he said, I just came out for gay marriage. And I said, well, Mr. President, I don't, I don't see that in scripture. And he said, I know you don't, uh, but let me tell you what, what's happening here. Um, and he proceeded to tell me, I won't tell you the whole conversations. Um, um, and I later told my congregation, you've got to, you've got to differentiate between the civil rights that everybody has. That's the state's responsibility. The state's responsibility is to give everybody the same rights. Welcome to the Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Devin Dito, along with my co-host, Adrian Guest. And we're back at it today with another great conversation. And we're excited to be here talking again uh, to another leader in his field about an important topic. And so today's topic really centers around the, the debate or conversation, as you may call it, around religion and social justice. And so more importantly, we wanted to focus on the relationship between the two when it comes to government and legislation and religion. And so our, our guest today, we're excited to have him on the show. His name is Dr. Joel Hunter. Uh, Dr. Hunter has served as a senior pastor of Northland Church in Longwood, Florida for 32 years. And in 2017, he actually transitioned from that role on a mission to go from his best interpretation of what the Bible says to his best imitation of how Jesus lived. And so Dr. Hunter serves as the president of Parable Foundation and chairman of the Community Resource Network. And so lastly, just to round it off here, Dr. Hunter was a spiritual advisor to former President Barack Obama, writing devotions for him weekly and praying with him periodically. So we're excited to have you on the show. So Dr. Hunter, thank you for being here with us. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. And so like I said, the conversation is about, you know, social justice and religion or culture and politics, however you want to name it. Um, it's an important topic because we're kind of, you know, in the country today, there's, there's a, it's the controversial topic when you're talking about culture and religion and politics, all kind of interceding at this uh, junction. And so for our first question, we kind of wanted to, to talk a little bit about the phrase separation of church and state. That's something you hear come up a lot in conversation, and it can be a pretty controversial topic, depending on who you're talking to. And in today's climate where religious beliefs and political beliefs are kind of becoming one and the same, um, we don't really have an official religion here in America. That's the one thing a lot of people may either know or not know. Well, there is no official religion, but it's very obvious the country has been majority Christian really since from the beginning. We have in God we trust and our money. We have, you know, every president says, may God protect our troops at the end of their speeches. So it's very obvious we're a religious-centered country, um, just from the way that our leaders operate. So if you could, just kind of elaborate on what comes to mind when you hear the phrase separation of church and state. And in your opinion, are church and state really actually separated? <laughs> well, not, not as long as um, 
the people who inhabit the offices uh, are people of faith. Uh, but but this goes way back. I was a my my undergraduate work was in history and government, um, and so uh, some of the history of that phrase um, was it's not in the Constitution. It was a le- in a letter uh, that uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote, um, and um, but the idea here is that um, should there ever become an official church. Uh, in America, um, that um, that government would be not only protected from that takeover, as as was uh, as as happened in the Holy Roman Empire, or the church um, should be protected from the takeover of the government, from the mandates of the government. Um, and so, what we're talking about here, when we talk about the separation of church and state, we're talking about institutions. We're not talking about people. Uh, We're not talking about values. We're not talking about faith. We're talking about institutions. And institutions, government along with religious institutions, uh, have this appetite for power. Um, And especially when it comes to power over others. And so one of the protections um, that um, our founders wanted to make sure of is that um, we would not confuse um, the roles of government and church, um, and um, and and that because when you confuse those two roles, um, trouble happens, um, and and there's a lot of that going around these days. Yes, you're absolutely right. A lot of uh, uh, confusion there. Um, But one thing that I can say um, that there's not a lot of confusion or I guess a little bit of a divide, but kind of split here uh, is whenever you look at how the country feels on the way our laws should reflect, you know, biblical teachings. Uh, this is from uh, Pew Research. I believe they've done this in about two, it's either 2017 or 2019, but about 49% of U.S. adults say that the Bible should influence U.S. laws. 50% say that the Bible should have no influence in U.S. laws. Uh, interestingly, a subgroup, about 38% of, excuse me, 20% of Americans say that if there's a conflict, that the Bible should prevail over the will of the people. Um, so obviously, we kind of talked about that separation of church and state as institution, but clearly from those statistics, you like you said, we can't separate that when it comes to values. So, uh, Dr. Hunter, in some of your time, maybe as a spiritual leader and as maybe even a historian, um, how have you seen religion uh, shape some of the things of our political climate and the way we do policymaking? Yeah, well, the United States is, um, without a doubt, one of the most religious countries uh, in the world. Um, it's, it's in our DNA. It's in our history. Um, and, and so when, when you have those kind of stats, what, what I, I imagine if you drilled down on the way people answered those questions, um, that we want to be a basically moral people. We want to put God first uh, in our lives. Um, and, um, um, but when it comes to that second part, you know, religion should have no, um, bearing on laws. Um, I'm sure they're thinking more in terms of 
in a Christian sense, it'd be the reconstructionist who wants to put the Old Testament law uh, into um, civil law, have it, have it be the law of the land, um, or um, um, the, um, the Islamic version uh, of, uh, of having the law or even the, the uh, Old Testament version of, of the law being the law of the land. Um, they wanted to make sure that we were a free people, a diverse people, um, but a moral people. And so I think um, everybody has a yearning to do what is right, to put their moral values at the top of their list when it comes to law, because law is, a, is, is legislative morality. That's what law is. You make a law because you believe it's right. Um, and so when it comes to making laws, it's impossible to separate a law from morality. Uh, because that's what that's what a law is, um, um, and so and so I think I think people are are trying to answer the question in a in a way that says I'm I'm a person of faith. Most of us are, um, um, even though more and more people are becoming non institutionally religious. Uh, they're still overwhelmingly, uh, uh, we're a nation of, of believers, uh, and they want people to know that they will always have that as, as a priority in their life. But again, when it comes to um, any particular religion imposing its um, reading of their scripture, on the rest of us, that's where people resist. Yeah, I, uh, I could agree with that. I think that's where you see a lot of opposition and that's maybe where you see some conflict uh, amongst, you know, some of our political leaders now, because obviously uh, you look at, you know, the Senate and you look at the, uh, the House of Representatives, you know, majority, you know, Christian, but there is a number of different religious uh, uh, denominations within our Congress. So uh, that's a great conversation, listeners, to kind of get us going here as we kind of talk and give some context to religion and social justice. But what we're going to do, listeners, we're going to give you our first break. And when we come back, uh, we really want to dive off into how the two coexist and sometimes how they can have feuds. So stick with us. We'll be right back. absolutely appreciate your support. You are the foundation and our efforts work to better your communities. Tell your family and friends so we can all work to bring progress. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. listeners welcome back uh remember we're joined today by dr joel hunter he's president of parable foundation and chairman of the community resource network so dr hunter our second segment we're kind of looking a little bit deeper into religion and social justice and them coexisting and the the the, i read an article that really prompted me wanting to have this discussion and it was talking about religion and social justice And the author basically said, if you're someone who's a Christian, you really shouldn't care too much about social justice in the sense that a lot of people who fight for equality are generally focused on man's laws versus Christ as he lived. He was focused on his father's business. 
Uh, and a lot of people or the author rather point to the fact that some social issues can maybe make you bend your morals, like we were saying, because uh, some social issues endorse same sex marriage or women's right to choose an abortion. So obviously, there's a lot of groups battling here for this. So to kind of lead us off with this discussion, Dr. Hunter, you know, how do we handle people wanting to be treated as equals, like, you know, same sex marriage or women being able to have a right of abortion when it might compromise some people's religious beliefs? Well, that's a really great question. And that's a that's a question we're still working through. Um, first of all, it's really important to under, understand that um, these are people who are making these laws and, and all of them, for example, when I was, when I used to be in the Oval Office to pray with President Obama, um, we didn't talk about politics a lot. We talked about his family. We talked about his faith. We talked about how, you know, he was being strengthened uh, for his task. Um, And, and, um, and so the first thing we have to realize is that um, as as much controversy as the issues between, you know, religion and politics uh, cause, um, there's, you still got to drill back down into, no, this is about a person. This is about faith. And when I went through some really difficult times in my life, President Obama called me and he encouraged me in the faith. It it wasn't about, um, um, you know, let's, let's, do what what's legally right it's it's i want to be there as your friend i want to be there as somebody who supports you so cutting to this uh, particular topic let me give you a specific example um i was i was driving down the street um um the day that president obama um gave that interview uh, i think it was on AB, uh, abc um uh, when he came out for same sex marriage um, and, um, and so I got this call on my, on my phone. I was with my wife, Becky and, uh, and, uh, the call, you know, caller said, will you speak with the president? And I said, sure. And I said, give me a minute to pull over. Cause I'm not going to be driving and talking to the president. And so I, I drove over in a, in a grocery parking lot and he came on the line. And of course he knows Becky and Becky, they exchanged and, and he said, Joel, I want I want to tell you about a a a, a stance or, or, or an interview I just did, and I said okay, um, and he said I just came out for gay marriage, and I said well, Mr. President, I don't I don't see that in Scripture, and he said I know you don't, uh, but let me tell you what what's happening here, um, and he proceeded to tell me I won't tell you the whole conversations. Um, um, and I later told my congregation, you've got to, you've got to differentiate between the civil rights that everybody has. That's the state's responsibility. The state's responsibility is to give everybody the same rights. It's the religious institution's uh, responsibility to define what marriage is what in the, in the sight of God. And so when um, the, the president came out for that, um, for that equality, uh, he was talking about civil law. He wasn't talking about religion. He wasn't talking about interfering with our right to determine who we would marry. Um, um, he was just talking about, I'm the president and, and we need laws that will treat everybody the same. So 
there is that distinction that we have to make. Um, those of us, and I come from, I'm a conservative, you know, I come from a very conservative theological tradition um, that defines marriage between a man and a woman. Um, and, um, and, and so as, as long as I can determine and my church can determine um, and my faith can determine uh, who it marries, then, um, then you've got to differentiate between a decision like that and discrimination that is a legal discrimination um, from the state um, that is charged with treating all, uh, all of its citizens with equal rights. So anyhow, that's what, that's the differentiation that he made. That was the differentiator that I made to, to my congregation. Um, and, and I could see the distinction to be frank, some of some of my congregation couldn't, uh, and that's all right. I, I totally get that. Um, but those are tough decisions and they're very tricky decisions. Um, and, and, and I know everybody, everybody wants to, you know, freedom is a, is a wonderful word, but it's a very complicated application. Um, and, and, and people who want freedom, um, need to calculate the cost, uh, and people who, um, want to stand in the way of other people's freedom need to calculate that cost too. Uh, and so, um, I, I still remember, you know, I, I came to Christ during the civil rights movement. Um, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. was my call to Christ. Uh, I was a part of that civil rights movement. When that happened, I thought, I remembered what my old pastor said. My old pastor said, Joey, nothing, nothing will ever come right in the world until you take care of the sin in your own heart. Uh, and I, and I, and I went to the middle of Gold, uh, middle of Ohio University in Global Chapel and knelt down. Um, um, but, but I remember thinking that this idea of freedom is a costly idea, um, and and a lot of times you have what is right in your mind, but to allow other people to have what's right in their mind and to have the same access um, is, is, is the only way that it's going to work um, and, and have justice. Uh, and so anyhow, that's, that's kind of my, I tend to ramble on until you stop me. You got to hop in here and say, <laughs> okay, let's get on to, get to the next topic here. <laughs> Okay, let's get Noss playing. That's good. <laughs> but, uh, good story. No, it was a great, a great story, and it shows you just how difficult the application of the freedoms that we have are. I mean, the, the founding fathers sort of left it an open-ended question as far as the religion, the official church of the country, and because they left it open, there were going to be difficulties, you know, along the way because this day was going to come probably no matter what, we were going to have these discussions, these tussles, these back and forths. And it's kind of, you know, it, it's led to where we are today. You know, we're having our own turmoil, turmoil again, where, you know, with the recent law in Texas and, and different things happening surrounding abortion and, and those conversations are happening. They are, there is an element of, of religion in there where some people feel as though the, the religion of others is being imposed on them. Right. And so, 
as some people would say that the reason for the kind of extreme partisanship that we have seen is partly due to religious faith kind of seeping into politics. And um, some people would even argue the rise of folks like Donald Trump and other politicians has been fueled by a belief that the, the phrase make America great again, in some ways meant making America Christian again. Right. And so some people latched onto that phrase and said, I'm going to vote for him because I think on the other side of this, a more Christian nation is going to be, you know, brought forward. And so just kind of give your, your take on that and just do you, does it concern you at all to see religious beliefs and political beliefs really getting so entangled now uh, without, without political discourse? It really does. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll give you a few reasons why. Um, first of all, religion in itself um, is, is pretty much a closed system. Uh, different religions are developed into systems where um, the people within those systems are trying to please God by their actions. Um, this is different than people of faith who are saved by grace and they're, they admit they're sinners and everybody else is. And they're, you know, they're just kind of open and say, God, whatever you want to do, I'm going to trust in you. Religion tends to be um, weaponized by people who want to keep power uh, over others, um, whether that be over a, a society or other, other religions or however you want to put that. Um, so we've got to be very careful not to pervert. Um, um, you remember, remember Satan's temptation to Jesus, you know, in the wilderness, you know, I give you all this power, you know, if you'll just bow down, you know, and, and so I know what it is to be tempted by power. You know, you get, you go in the Oval Office and you want to say anything that will keep you in that office, you know, cause you know, just, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, um, and, and, and so, uh, especially with um, this last administration, but even, even before that, um, we're awfully tempted to um, to do what we need to have access to power, to uh, persuade power that we're right. Our group should be prioritized. Um, by the way, just the opposite of how Jesus lived, you know, not not catering to the religious authorities or the civil authorities. He went straight to the people who were without power. Uh, who he could empower. Um, and so we've got to be careful about the religious um, um, temptations uh, or, or the, the political temptations of religion. The other thing that's happening right now, though, is um, we are becoming so polarized uh, and so politicized. This is different than I've ever seen in my life. I was a, I was a, a congregational pastor for almost 50 years. Um, I've always um, been um, um, wanted to do my community good and wanted to do my country good and and my and wanted my church to be, you know, um, build healthy communities and so on and so forth and be and and vote and and vote their values. But what has happened recently is that um, we have. Um, crowded the extremes. You know, there used to be a bell curve. Now there's a dumbbell curve. You know, 
you have both, you have the extremes filled out with very little in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and so what's happening now is that uh, people are, um, are, um, I, I want to say, being more careful to not get involved if they have a moderate position and more egged on if they have an extreme position, because that's what gets you the most likes. You know, that's what gets you the most amens. That's what, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, and so, and so the problem with a, a law like in Texas, now, again, I'm pro-life. That's a baby in there. You know, my youngest son's a doctor and, and, and when he was coming up through medical school, you know, the, the, the senior resident told him to, you know, help this girl get an abortion. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't, uh, knowing he was putting his whole career at risk, Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and the senior guy was very nice. And he said, you know, I, I realize, but I realize your values, but you realize, you know, you got to realize we've got a patient here. And my son said, no, we've got two patients here. Um, and, and so we got to do what's right for both of them. And so he did come through, he graduated med school. He's a doctor now, but, but the, but the point is that um, those who are on one side or the other, tend only to see one side of the equation. The pro-lifers tend only to see the baby. They never, they never talk about the, the, the situation of the mother um, and, and how, what dire straits she might be in um, and what she might need um, to carry that child. And, and, and they seem to lose sight of the child after it's born. Um, and, and, and I went to um, one time a um, just to, just to because uh, I was invited, but I went to a Planned Parenthood banquet one time, and and one of the senators, the female senators, was talking and and uh, and talking about abortion, and they never mentioned the baby. It was only about the woman, and so and so the the problem with a a, a more religiously imposed law is that you tend to focus only on one side of the very complicated issue and very personal issue that's going on. Um, and whereas we want to protect both parties, um, um, if you get on one side, you know, it's my body, my decision, you know, I own me or on the other side, you got to protect that baby no matter what happens um, to the mom, um, then then you're probably not looking at the whole situation like God does. You know, that's, I love how you, you, you hit on um, some amazing points. I'm going to make sure to highlight a lot of that as we market your episode. But like you said in the very end, how God sees it, um, that's, that's a powerful thing because I, you know, I was a youth pastor and I, and I feel like at the end of the day, you know, one of the things I would always say is, you know, we can't be the, the judge and jury, you know, we can have how we feel about a certain issue, um, but like God gives us all free will to go about making certain decisions, whether they to serve him or not. Um, we should also give people that opportunity to have that free will. Uh, and But it's, I'm glad you, you separate it because it's not as black and white as everyone tries to make it out to be. Uh, so thank you, Dr. Hunter, for doing that. 
listeners, you know, I hope you are picking up a lot of nuggets here. Uh, you know, Dr. Hunter, one of the things that, and we'll, we'll end this segment, but I wanted to make sure to mention it, um, your tagline about how, you know, you stopped, um, you know, living your best interpretation of the Bible, but best imitation of Christ. Uh, that's a really, really powerful statement. And I'm glad that you, you have that as, as, as your mission there. Thank you, brother. Thank oh yeah, no problem. All right, so listeners, we're gonna we're gonna take our uh, second break here. When we come back, uh, we're gonna move this thing forward and get into our third segment here, which is really thinking about how we bring this all together. Uh, so, listeners, stick with us. We'll be right back. Would you like to contribute to our scholarship fund? Would you like to help us partner with nonprofits? Would you like to submit a topic request or maybe even appear on our show? If so, go to patron.podbean.com forward slash Black Agenda Pod. Thank you for your donation and belief in our mission. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, let's get back into it here. Get into our third segment. Remember, we're joined today by Dr. Joel Hunter former senior pastor of Northland Church in Longwood, Florida, for 32 years. Uh, Dr. Hunter, we were kind of, you know, talking before the break about the third segment and how we're going to be bringing this thing to, you know, to the future of how we really get it together. And, and I go back to some of my religious teachers when I think about this, which talk about grace, love, and mercy. But it seems like in our history with the way America handles minority groups and things like that, we don't have a lot of those, you know, attributes like grace, love, and mercy. Uh, for decades, we've kind of had a fight for liberty and, and, and freedoms and things like that. And you've got some people who almost lack empathy to feel how you know other minority groups have been treated and almost just say that minority groups are maybe playing the victim card too often. But thinking about grace, love and mercy, you know, in mind, Dr. Hunter, how do we get to a better culture that's maybe more altruistic and actually is concerned about the plight of their fellow brothers and sisters? Well, um, you really hit Adrian on a key point um, and, and a key word, and the word is empathy. Uh, I heard uh, President Obama use that word many times. And uh, first of all, for your listeners who are believers, um, uh, the whole idea of empathy, putting yourself in someone else's place, is exactly what God did in Jesus Christ. You know, he came down. Um, and took on the form of a man, um, and he was tempted in every way as we are. I mean, he he just took on our role to live the life um, um, that we were living, so he could completely identify with us. Um, the The difficulty in the history of our country is we have had a caste system uh, in this uh, country for a very long time especially when it comes to African-Americans. Um, and, and so many of us, I grew up uh, in an all-white town. There were many of these in the, in the Midwest. Um, and so I never, except when I played uh, in sports, um, uh, I never had a chance to have a relationship with a black person. It wasn't until I went to college and got involved in the civil rights movement that I had any friends outside white people. Um, and so part of the solution to our problems is 
we've got to find ways to get outside our own bubble, to get outside the communities in which we are most comfortable because they have our values. They think like we do. Um, they like all the same things we like. Um, and, and the more you're in that kind of a situation, the more you, this is ironic, the more you not only are afraid of people who are not like you, but you think you know what they're like, <laughs> even though you haven't. I mean, when I was working on my first doctorate, I was, I was, uh, I was at a, um, I, I did my first doctorate in cultural personality, which, which is a, um, a psychological um, or cultural um, um, field. And I worked for a year at the Central State Hospital for the Mentally Insane in Indianapolis, Indiana. My first day there, I'll never forget as long as I live. Um, this, these are people, this is back in the old days. They've got the you know white things. They're heavily drugged, uh, a lot of psychotics. Um, and I'm going across the campus trying to look for where I'm supposed to be. And I'm, you know, in my mind, I'm going through every Alfred Hitchcock movie I've ever seen. It was just really scary. I was just a young guy, you know. And uh, so, so I passed this one line, and and these attendants dressed in white weren't paying attention to their patients. They were just talking. One well, of them, one of them had dropped. One of the patients had dropped off, and um, and and I came back that way, and she came out from behind the bushes. And she looked at me and she said, I know who you are. And I know what you've been saying about me. And I will kill you. Well, I was so freaked out. I mean, it was, and that was back when, before there was post-traumatic stress syndrome. You just, you know, go home and change your pants. You know, it's just <laughs> like, holy cow, what in the world just happened? And I tried to figure out what happened there. And, and, and this is the definition of insanity I came to in my mind. Insanity is when you think you're hearing the voices outside your head, but they're all inside your head. You think you know what's going on in the world, but you're really just hearing the voices inside your own head. That's happening in our culture right now. I can tell you in many churches, they just will go on and on about what the world is like. They haven't been in the world in the last 20 years. They just, they go, they show up for church potlucks, you know, and, and, and tell what the world is like. They don't know what the world is like. So, so we've got to get out of our bubbles um, in order to have the empathy we need. Um, I, I work a lot with addicts these days, with poor people. And the best thing you can do is listen to their story. Um, it'll change your life. It'll change the way you think. Jesus knew, by the way, um, nothing changes a life like somebody's story. That's why he told parables. Uh, the Bible says he didn't speak without a parable uh, because it's the most powerful thing in the world. So even if we have to read it, we have to read other people's stories and what they're going through. And that will have a profound effect on how well we can love our neighbor. And it will have a profound effect on the kind of policies we're looking for uh, that have justice and mercy in them. Man, that's a, that's a great, great point, a great answer. And some really good things that we can take from that. And, and, I, and I, 
our next question is, is kind of still in the same realm of, of where do we go after this? Um, but, you know, the fact that this conversation is here is not surprising to a lot of people. We don't have an official religion like we mentioned earlier. So we will have this tussle between different institutions, you know, church institutions, because like you say, everybody has this appetite, you know, for power. And so we've seen arguments play out in, in local city governments about nativity scenes, you know, removing them from, from county buildings. And that is the the definition of the discussions we're having well, that didn't used to be an issue, but yeah. things have changed. We're now accepting other religions and other viewpoints where now the state cannot be seen as promoting one over the other. And so it's a debate that will probably never go away. But just how do we get those who are God-fearing Christians here in America to understand that social change and the acceptance of other religions and other people who don't necessarily look like you um, does it necessarily equate to a rejection of Christian values and mean that a, a Christian nation is that a nation is not Christian is just a nation that's just out of control, essentially? Absolutely not. Thank you, Devin. That's a great point. And I'm so glad you brought it up, because what happens when you begin to allow not only allow, but want other religions in the, in the public sphere is not only do you learn what it is to love your neighbor um, and in some cases love your enemy, um, but, but you grow an appreciation for the grace of God. Um, some of my best friends these days um, are, are people, um, I've got a really good friend who is a Muslim uh, imam um, um, another one who's a rabbi. Um, I love these. I love these guys. Um, but you know what they've done? They have, they have made me appreciate Christ and being saved by grace. Absolutely so much. They made me more devoted to Christ because I've seen that um, their faith and as sincere as they are, um, and, 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 you know, God sorts all this stuff out, you guys, I'm, I'm, I, this is not for me, this is not a <clears throat> who's right and who's wrong. That's God's business. He'll figure that out. Uh, but for me, I, I need to believe that I am pursuing the ultimate truth. And I believe that's Jesus Christ. Now, if Jesus Christ is the ultimate truth, then all truth that comes short of Jesus Christ is, is still true. It's still his. You know, in, in, it says in Colossians, in him, all things are knit together. So it's not like there's something outside of Christ and he doesn't, whoop, what? You know, he doesn't, it, it's, it's like, I'm really threatened by that religion. I'm really threatened by that kind of, he's not threatened at all. This is all about, are we coming a little bit closer to loving each other and to treating each other with dignity and respect, which, by the way, Christ modeled that, that woman at the well? I mean, good heavens, how many cultural barriers did he have to, to cross over to treat her with kindness? You know, but that's exactly what he did. 
He wasn't threatened by her sin. He wasn't threatened that she was a different race, a different religion. He wasn't threatened by, by you know, any kind of contamination, you know. He didn't feel like he needed to stand up on a well and tell her what a sinner she was. You know, he just loved her. And so, um, so I hope that, you know, coming back to your original point, Devin, that, you know, having a menorah or having other religious symbols on a public square, I, I, I don't think that it's necessary to erase religious symbols from public property. Um, and I don't think that the, that the Supreme Court will, will ever take us there. Uh, if if they ever did, they'd have to erase part of part of the architecture of the Supreme Court. Um, uh, but I but but I think but I think that um, the more inclusion and the more sensitivity uh, that people can have, uh, and the less we can just pick about little stuff. I mean, for crying out loud, let's just get a life and stop. <laughs> Picking at every little thing that that uh, offends us, or you know that um, you know we think is going to somehow be a threat on down the line, get on with your life. It's not going to be a threat. God's got this. He's in control. You, we read the end of the book. We win. It comes out. You know, it's 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 going to be okay. Everybody wins. You know, and so I I, I just think it's uh, uh, this is something that we have to grow up. Um, most of our country spiritually is still in middle school. Remember what middle school is like. You define yourself by who you hate. You know, mm. um, I hate that group. I hate that sport. I hate that, you know, um, and, and, and that's, that's America right now. I hate this. I hate, you know, uh, when you grow up, you don't have to hate anybody. You kind of put, you kind of understand people. You know, if I had that background, I'd probably be like that too. Um, and you cut them some slack, um, and you treat them with respect, and you go on and do your business and make the world better as you can. So I just hope we can grow up a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I can, you know, yeah. I can imagine your congregation is missing you because you're a very uplifting uh, person. <laughs> God works through you in some great ways. So I appreciate, you know, his power through you. Um, and, you know, I, I love what you mentioned about. Um, being able to feed off of other religions because I actually over the weekend I attended uh, a Jewish holiday festival and I'm you know Christian so not Jewish but the reverence that I saw them display just really made me feel you know a, a drawing to God to where like you know they are very dedicated very faithful um, I need to be more like that you know that's that that's kind of how it worked for me so I'm glad you really said that because that that spoke to me. And before we end this segment, I just wanted to make sure uh, our listeners know a little bit about the organizations, whether you want to talk about um, Parable Foundation or Community Resource Network. I just wanted you to give your organization a quick little plug and how our listeners can support you. Well, the Parable Foundation um, is a foundation that is dedicated to increase uh, empathy and understanding um, by telling people stories. Um, and um, especially those um, stories of people who have been left out and, and communities that have been uh, underserved. Uh, and so that's, that's what we're doing. And the Community Resource Network um, is an um, uh, organization that is helping churches 
build neighborhoods that will care for each other so that uh, people won't get in a crisis situation and have to go to relief agencies. You know, when I was growing up, you know, the neighborhood, none of us neighbors would have allowed another neighbor to be in want uh, because we knew each other. Um, and it just, you just, you just knew, didn't do that. You know, I, it didn't matter whether you liked the person or not, it, that was your neighbor. And if they had a need, you, you figured it out. So I, th- I think that we can, we can do that again, build a community because the thing that all poor people have in common um, and all homeless people have in common uh, is that they don't have communities of care that they can depend on. Uh, they're pretty much alone. Um, and that's why they have to go to the agency. So we're building communities of care. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. I just wanted to make sure before we uh, ended this segment here that we got some information on, on what you actually do with those organizations. So listeners, make sure you check them out. Um, we're going to give you our last break with Dr. Hunter. And when we come back, we're going to get his final message. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Black Agenda podcast. We appreciate your support and we ask that you like, share, and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, IG, and Twitter at Black Agenda Pod. That's at Black Agenda Pod. Let's get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Uh, We're wrapping this conversation up. Remember, we have Dr. Joel Hunter. He's a former spiritual advisor to former President Barack Obama. Uh, We've had an amazing conversation here. And, you know, I I can't speak to every religion, but I know with Christianity and probably like others, you know, the idea that we were all born in sin and flawed. And it's through our deity, whomever that may be, that we get our redemption. We get an opportunity to have something bigger than ourselves. You know, in Christianity, we know through the Bible that, you know, our actions are filthy rags, and it's only through that grace and mercy that I was talking about that we really have atonement and peace for our sins. But I feel like in our world right now, Dr. Hunter, we need a lot more of that grace. We need a lot more of that mercy so that we can have more understanding for one another and maybe work toward a better global society. So, Dr. Hunter, for your final message inspire our listeners to use religion not as a tool to divide, but rather a tool that can forgive, heal, and transform our communities. Well, thank you. And thanks again for inviting me on the program. This has been a fun conversation. Um, You're absolutely right. You know, Jesus talks about that, uh, the servant who was forgiven, uh, and then he goes out and uh, people owe him money and he won't forgive them. And, and he's, he's, he's disciplined for his lack of forgiveness. We, we stand where we are just by the grace of God. I don't know if about you, but I had a grandmother who um, prayed for me every day. I was as ornery as you could get. And, and so when I heard about this, you know, this love of God, this undeserved love of God, I, I just remembered my grandmother and I thought, well, that's real. Um, and, and that's what it's going to take to uh, repair the world. Um, I think it was Martin Luther King Jr. used to say, hate doesn't cast out hate, uh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't defeat hate, only love can do that. Uh, and so we need to realize 
that um, as the Lord taught us to pray, uh, ask for we ask for forgiveness um, in as much as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And I think that's that's what we need to do, um, and and not just forgive people. Um, that's a long process, and you make many installment payments on those sometimes. Uh, but we need to try to put ourselves in their place, um, just as Jesus put himself in our place, so that we can understand what they're going through, uh, and so that we can pray for them. Um, and um, there are some people in the world that are just evil, um, but you let God take care of those, and you don't get all tied up in a knot um, because you're trying in your own mind to, you know, learn how to deal with them. You don't have to deal with them. Um, the only person that is hurt by unforgiveness, by our unforgiveness, is us. They don't care. <laughs> and so if we're going to be set free, we got to forgive. we got to live a life of grace and a life of keen appreciation. My wife and I pray every night, of course, um, and she's a much longer prayer than I am. I'm, I'm pretty short, short and to the point, kind of like shopping, you know, she'll, she prays, <laughs> oh boy. shops, you know, uh, and just kind of wanders through and I, you know, I just get straight to the point and get out of the store. So, um, but at the end of every prayer, you know, I, I, I ask God to help me be more like Jesus and help me to live in true gratitude for what he's given me. Um, and I think as long as we're living gratefully, we're living right. That's a great message. And I appreciate you coming on the show and bringing your, your expertise, you know, your, your experiences and your insights on this topic, because, you know, like you've spoken about what, uh, you know, what president Obama had to go through with coming out in favor of gay marriage, the complexities of balancing your, your spiritual beliefs with, what is, you know, what is right in the civil world and, and what is right in law. Those are two different things. And, and while one may inform the other, you have to be able to separate them. And that's hard. You know, we're human, we're flawed. So that's going to be a challenge. And, and it just shows too that the, the turmoil and, and the discussions we're having today, um, you know, are not, not what, not unexpected. You know, it is an open question. We don't have an official religion here in America. And so it was always going to kind of be this way because like freedom is an expensive thing. <laughs> you know, you have to calculate the cost to that. There's a cost to freedom. And so we have freedom of religion. You're, everyone is able to choose their own path. And we have to be able to, to balance that to where one, is, you know, one church institution is not held up above the other and not allowed to impose their will on those below them. And so we have to make sure that we take your message there at the end and, and let that guide us as we go forward and try to heal the country, bring us better back, back together and get out your bubble folks. That's one thing. If you don't get anything else out this, this show, get out your bubble. COVID is, I almost feel like COVID made it worse. You it know, did. we're all inside, we're all on a computer watching TV <laughs> yeah. and you just didn't get the interaction. You didn't get the flow of ideas and discussion and debates. And it's made us kind of, put us further in our own corners. And so just make sure you have to go out and interact with people who don't think like you. It's okay. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're absolutely right, Devin. And Dr. Hunter, I appreciate, you know, everything you said. Uh, Like I said, I'm a, you know, Christian. I've started the youth pastor and associate pastor. So it's great to, you know, converse, you know, like this. 
Uh, it's been, you know, you know, feeding to my soul just because I've, you know, I think for like going through college and becoming a professional, um, it's always hard to try to balance out your faith with some of your goals and trying to figure out strategically what you need to be doing while also focusing on, you know, the great destiny that, you know, God has placed before you. So it's really, really uh, great to kind of hear your message and what you're doing to bridge those two together. And also listeners, um, you know, everybody that, that you've heard today is Christian, but um, you should listen to this. And regardless of what religion you um, are, like Dr. Hunter said, like I said, you can you know listen to other religions and have a, a deepness and a reverence for your own religion through that. So whether you're Jewish, you know, Buddhist, Muslim, whatever, uh, we'd love you to be able to take that away as you listen to us talk about religion, uh, because we're putting ourselves in your shoes to see that we're all in it together. So uh, Dr. Hunter, you, like I said, you've really gotten me excited. This has been a great, great conversation. Um, we, we hope to have you back on the podcast and we'll definitely uh, follow you and your organizations. Thank you guys. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Awesome. Awesome. Well, remember listeners, Dr. Joel Hunter, uh, former uh, spiritual advisor to former President Barack Obama, former senior pastor in Northland Church in Longwood, Florida, uh, also serving now as a president of Parable Foundation and chairman of the Community Resource Network. Uh, Dr. Hunter, thank you. Listeners, Dev and I, we're going to take our last break and we're just going to come back into our ending. So stick with us. We'll be right back. You have been listening to the Black Agenda Podcast, hosted by Adrian Guest and Devin Dado. If you enjoy listening to the show, let the host know by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by visiting patron.podbean.com forward slash Black Agenda Pod and giving a few dollars. After all, the Black Agenda Podcast is supported by listeners like you. Let's get back to the show. listeners welcome back let's go ahead and get to our ending here just to give you a little bit of insight into our upcoming schedule we have our next weekly roundup which is weekly roundup number 17 that's going to be coming to you on october 9th that's this saturday so make sure you join us we have a lot of great news to cover we do our quick hits which is our funny news segments so please join us remember that's going to be october the 9th that's going to be weekly roundup number 17 Also, just to give you some insight into our next regularly scheduled episode, we're going to be talking about minority civic engagement, particularly in the black community. We'll be joined by Melanie Campbell, who is the president and CEO of the National Coalition on Black Civic Participation. We're going to be discussing on how to be more engaged in our democracy in and out of election season. Also, remember, you can donate to the Black Agenda podcast. We do have a website. It's blackagendapod.com. When you go to it, you can click on that donate button. It'll show you a lot of different levels where you can give, and you will also receive gifts from us for being a monthly patron. If you're listening to us in the Podbean app, you can also click the donate tab directly from the app, and you can donate that way too. I always say, listeners, when you donate, you let us know you believe in our mission and you want to see us do more with the Black Agenda. We look forward to building an organization. We look forward to lobbying leaders, talking to more experts, and educating more communities. But we'll only do that with donations from you. So please go to our website, blackagendapie.com, click the donate tab, and start giving. Don't forget our charity of the month. And remember, since it's October, we've been introducing our new charity of the month, which is called Race Forward. 
Race Forward conducts original and broadly accessible research on pressing racial justice issues. The research is focused on the ways institutional and structural racism leads to inequitable social and economic outcomes. They catalyze movement building for racial justice. In partnership with communities, organizations, and sectors, they build strategies to advance racial justice in our policies, institutions, and culture. Race Forward imagines a just, multiracial, democratic society free from oppression and exploitation in which people of color thrive with power and purpose. So really, really great mission there. Remember, we're on all the majors, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Black Agenda Pod. That's our handle. Again, that's at Black Agenda Pod. Right now, you're listening on your cell phone. Go ahead and go to our social media pages. Make sure you like us. Make sure you follow. So that way, when we put out content, you'll be able to get it. Also, share everything you see. When you share, it expands our reach. You know thousands of people. We know thousands of people. So let's make the world a better place together. Lastly, thank you to Dr. Joel Hunter. He was an awesome guest, listeners. Uh, I, I got excited about that. Like I said, I was a youth pastor. Um, so it was a really, really great conversation for me to kind of get back uh, to where I was. And I hope that it helped you, no matter what religion you are, listeners. Remember that even I got something out of a Jewish holiday festival. So you can get something out of this, no matter what religion you are. But thank you, Dr. Hunter, for an amazing, amazing conversation. And listeners, appreciate you. We can't thank you enough for being there for us. We can't thank you enough for listening to us. You're the reason why we continue to do this. You're the reason why we're going to be doing this for many, many years to come. So we appreciate everything you do for us. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you.